0: Hi, it's your pal, Steamed Hams. Join me every week on the Unforgettable Luncheon as we discuss topics in the nerd world like gaming, comics, cartoons, and whatever else may cross my mind. You can find me on the socials as SteamedHams81 on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram, and YouTube. You can also find me as the Unforgettable Luncheon on Facebook. And check out Steamed Hams Merchatorium, the link to which will be in the description of this podcast. The Unforgettable Luncheon, nerd comedy at its okayist. G.I. Joe is the codename for America's highly trained special mission force. Their purpose to defend human freedom against Cobra. And of course, to sell toys. After all, it was the 80s. Now, come to attention and let's talk about G.I. Joe, a real American cartoon. Hey, it's your old pal, Steamed Hams. Still not challenged to a boxing match by any movie directors. I hope you're ready for another unforgettable luncheon. G.I. Joe started in 1964 as four 12-inch figures representing each branch of the United States military. Action soldier, action sailor, action pilot, and action marine. Later came action nurse because they needed someone to flirt with and probably get shot down spectacularly by. The name G.I. Joe came from the general term for a soldier, G.I. meaning government issue, and Joe just being a generic American name. In 1974, the legendary Kung Fu Grip was introduced, most likely in response to Action Nurse repeatedly rejecting G.I. Joe. In 1982, the toy line was reinvented as G.I. Joe, a real American hero, and scaled down to 3 and three 3⁄4 inches, following a trend by Kenner doing that with Star Wars, except adding more points of articulation. Advertising uh, included a comic by Marvel and an animated miniseries, which was eventually born into the full series G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Yes, in the 80s, just about every cartoon was really just a 30-minute ad for a toy line. G.I. Joe, He-Man, Thundercats, Transformers, all big long ads for all the new toys. Trust me, we're going to get to He-Man in a future episode. There's a, a lot to unpack there. But basically, if you had any new figures you wanted to advertise... Why make a commercial when you can stuff them in the show for an episode or two? Always worked. The first five part G.I. Joe miniseries aired in the spring of 1982, centering around a machine called a mass device, which was basically a fancy teleporter. And it was the race between the G.I. Joes and Cobra to collect all the elementals needed to power this device. Cobra obviously wanting to use it for evil, transporting uh, s- soldiers and vehicles and whatnot into places they wanted to attack and invade, whereas the Joes just wanted to use it to stop Cobra. Another one five-parter aired in 1984, this time centered around a machine called the Weather Dominator, which again involved a race around the world trying to collect these parts to build this thing to... Either keep it out of Cobra's hands or Cobra, you know, taking over the world. Because he who controls the weather controls the world. Wait, this sounds familiar. Evil villain using a machine that manipulates the weather to control it for his own gain? Wait a minute. This sounds like the plot of Superman Three. The hell, guys? Was nobody in the eighties original? No, they weren't actually, because everybody was copying everybody else. Because once somebody found something that worked, of course they do it now anyway. So, the GI Joes were basically a joint task force uh, from all the branches come together to fight Cobra, a ruthless and let's fr- let's face it, utterly incompetent terrorist organization. Now we'll get to them in a minute. Each Joe generally had a specialty of some sort, be it heavy weapons, electronics, aircraft, or being a United States Navy sailor. You know, but they also had to have some manner of gimmick to set them apart. My big question is, like, what was the recruiting process? Do you, like, ask or apply to join, you know, kind of like you do with some of these special task force type things? Um, Now, I know the... The live-action movie covered the whole, you have to be asked to join G.I. Joe. But that's a different pile of bananas we'll dig into maybe one day. You know, do, do they scout out potential candidates like uh, like some of the special forces, like I believe the Green Berets do? You know, and besides, who picked some of these guys? I mean, in the animated movie, they had a recruit named Chuckles who dressed like Robin Williams in his evening at the Met stand-up special, and he was an undercover operative. I mean, how how do you go undercover in a terrorist organization dressed like you're just going to rapid-fire jokes out? Shortest operation ever, I'll tell you that much. You know, I can only imagine the interview process for potential candidates. Name? Senior Chief Petty Officer Hector Delgado, United States Navy SEALs. Specialty? I'm a small arms expert with additional training in hand-to-hand combat. Anything that would set you apart from the other candidates? Uh, I have a parrot. You're in. Your new name is Shipwreck. Because that's what a Navy sailor wants to be called. Shipwreck. Or... We'll go with someone else from the Navy. Deep Six, who's one of their divers. Name. Petty Officer Second Class, Malcolm Willoughby. Specialty. Navy Diver and Small Watercraft Pilot. How would you feel about piloting a robot suit, diving, and able to stay submerged for hours at a time? Well, I I don't know. I mean... You can pee in it. You son of a bitch, I'm in. I mean, they, they don't even have a solid uniform for this. Like everybody just wears what they want. They have their own little outfit, costume, whatever. Doesn't matter what branch you came from, you have some goofy getup. Again, Chuckles. Or they have their resident ninja, Snake Eyes. Because every Special Forces team needs a ninja. It's, it's just basically one big-ass costume party with guns and tanks and planes and... Wait, that sounds cool. I want in. Where do I play to G.I. Joe? I'm a veteran. I should count, right? Unlike G.I. Joe, Cobra, otherwise known as the terrorist organization with a worse win record than the Dallas Cowboys, and probably fewer criminals... Their recruiting process is probably a little easier. But, I mean, do you have to be a bad guy? Do you have to be a criminal? Do you just have to be a regular Joe who's looking for something in life? Can you be, well, the Army rejected me because of, you know, I stole a car when I was 16. But this Cobra, they'll take me. And then you just become faceless cannon fodder for every mission because... They probably just drew one guy and multiplied him for the animation. That they had a few action figure-worthy characters, you know, obviously in the leadership. You know, led by Cobra Commander, who was once a man. See the animated movie, you'll get the joke. And also the first one to skedaddle the fuck out of there when it looks like they're losing. His face is always hidden by a shiny helmet, a hood. Or in the later continuation of the series of diving helmet? I could never understand what that was. I had the action figure. I watched the the Deke continuation of the series and I don't know what he's wearing. Is it a, a breathing apparatus? What's going on there? But Anyways, you know, Cobra Commander is always coming with some grandiose yet cockamamie scheme to rule the world that gets wrecked faster than the drywall at a monster energy testing lab. His second in command is Destro, a Scottish weapons manufacturer who wears like a form-fitting metal mask. I mean, the thing is like perfectly shaped to his face, moves with his mouth and any other facial muscle movements. But it's metal, and he he just wears it, which I I want to know where does it connect in? Like where does it where does it stop? And also, how bad is like the sweat and irritation under that? That's got to be terrible. Destro also happens to be you know kind of getting it on with the director of intelligence, the Baroness, who is basically like the sexed-up version of Natasha from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Because, yes, we're going to go sexualize cartoons right now. Children's cartoon. And these two were basically... They weren't making any bones about it. They were boning. Classy. Speaking of this being a children's toy advertisement, uh, I mean cartoon, uh, they had to abide by certain broadcast rules. Uh, Even though later on, this whole... Cartoons as a toy advertisement thing kind of had to get cut down a bit. They had to throw an educational element in there because parents complained because the kids were getting told, "Hey, buy these toys, Mom. Buy me this toys. No, I'm not buying you any more crap that's on this episode. I already bought you all of last episode's toys. I'm not buying you anymore. You know, they one thing they couldn't show was killing at all. Like you could you could destroy all the robots you want, but people no. No killing, no wounding, no flesh wounds, no graze wounds, not even a skin knee. Which meant no real guns. All the guns shot lasers. Everything from the pistols to the rifles to the tanks shot lasers. And nobody could hit their fucking target. Imperial stormtroopers were better shots. I mean... G.I. Joe is supposed to be this, like, tier one special operations force, and yet nobody can hit a target. Everybody fucking misses. You got to have, like, these top tier marksmen. Nobody can hit their target. I mean, yes, they'll destroy vehicles. But the pilot, driver, whatever, has to be shown escaping just in time, jumping out of the vehicle, parachuting out, whatever. You know? And they actually covered this in Community when they parodied uh, G.I. Joe. Destro jumps out of a plane after it's shot down. Joel McHale says, you know what? Screw this noise. Fires at his parachute, cuts his parachute. Destro falls to his death. Which led to a semi-hilarious uh, funeral scene where Cobra Commander sitting there going, I'm not good at eulogies because nobody ever dies on this show. Which I found hilarious. That whole episode is funny as hell, you know. But you don't want to, You don't want to show people getting getting killed in war just yet. You know, those kids are too young for that. They need to be buying the toys. They don't need to be knowing that one day they'll go off to war with, uh, you know, with a a highly trained special mission unit, only to get blown up by a laser. But what kills me, pun intended. Is the way they kind of broke that rule in 1987? They released an animated movie that, because of the failures of the Transformers and My Little Pony movies, went basically direct to video and also got cut up into another five part mini series that was shown, you know, in the cartoons, the weekday afternoon cartoons, back when we had those, you know. The opening to the series, to the uh not the series, but the movie, which had the greatest version of the theme song ever. It just gives you like this merica boner. YouTube, but trust me, tell me you don't feel the same way. Cobra rolls up to this party going on at the Statue of Liberty in a snake-shaped telecarrier because Cobra, you know, branding, and attacks this thing with the intent of blowing up the Statue of Liberty. Of course, in typical fashion, G.I. Joe shows up, tells them to go fuck themselves, and at one point, Duke grabs the bomb that has mere seconds left on this thing, and wearing a jetpack, flies up to that helicarrier, pops a sucker on the bottom, and takes off, somehow getting enough distance to where that bomb and the explosion are not going to affect him at all. You know, no blast wave or nothing. So... This thing explodes. It had like four seconds left on it when it when it got attached. Okay, so there was no real time to evac that ship of any flesh and blood personnel. So when that thing blew up, I mean, it just obliterated the ship. So you know there were human casualties on that. But it's G.I. Joe. You can't be killing. And then on top of that, later on in the uh, movie, Duke is graphically, well, for the show and for the 80s, uh impaled by Serpenter staff right through his heart. Like I mean like a big hole that was probably roughly the size of his heart. Like no more heart was left. It was just shredded. But since kids everywhere kind of blew a gasket, pun intended once again, at Optimus Prime biting the big one in the previous year's Transformers film, a line was dubbed in to say that Duke was only in a coma. And then later in the movie, like at the end, oh, Duke woke up from his coma. He's going to be okay. I don't know about you, but I've never seen somebody just get a through and through impalement through the heart, probably just basically taking your heart out of the body and just going into a coma. That's usually pretty much in that sense. His heart was destroyed, but hey kids, he's only sleeping. It's okay. Nobody dies in war. And, I mean, it's a good movie overall. It's just some hardcore ridiculousness in there. And by the way, that movie is where Chuckles was introduced. Fun times. No discussion of G.I. Joe can be complete without talking about the absolutely hilarious public service announcements. For those of you born outside the 80s, every cartoon had to have attacked on PSA where the characters would impart some wisdom to children like Don't Do Drugs, Stranger Danger, and Don't Whiz on the Electric Fence. Don't Whiz on the Electric Fence by Blammo. I mean, I've never whizzed on an electric fence while doing drugs with a stranger, But, I mean, so they must have worked somehow, but I can't speak for the rest of We were impressionable back in the 80s, okay? You could get to do a lot of dumb shit back then. Now, in 2003, Eric Fensler and Fensler Film made the absolute genius move to take a bunch of those PSAs, wipe the audio clean, and record all new, all ridiculous dialogue. Such classics as Pork Chop Sandwiches. Help Computer, Give Him the Stick, and my personal favorite, Body Massage. All came into existence. Quality, quality comedy. Definitely, I highly recommend going to YouTube. Search Fensler Film. Go to the actual channel and just watch these. They're comedy gold. The man is a genius, and I know it led him to other jobs, because I think he ended up uh, getting... You know, more and more high-profile stuff, which is awesome. You will not be disappointed at these. In fact, I really am just going to count that as this week's plug-and-play, because I said so, Nabbit, and because I believe this is something everybody should check out. So, go to YouTube, look up Fensler Film, and enjoy. Well, that's it for another Unforgettable Luncheon. I hope a good time was had by all. You can find me on social medias, the Instagrams, Twitter, and Twitch Esteemed Hams eighty one all one word. Now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Join me next week when I'll be back to talk about something very, very nerdy. Or just regular nerdy. Not sure yet, haven't decided.